Welcome to the Quartering Podcast for Friday, the 28th of October. First up, Elon Musk locks out Twitter staff and leftist media implodes in fear of losing control. Well, well, well. The <laughs> Twitter employees have been locked out uh, as Tesla engineers inspect all of their bad behavior uh, algorithmically, looking at all the code. I'm sure there are many many nervous individuals there uh and it's i, I have so much say hi to annie annie bunny annie ah little annie you happy kitty yeah all right like one like for one uh head pat for the cat now a lot of people noticed uh by the way last night i started tweeting again uh well yeah i want to see if uh, the Twitter landscape changes at all, but my uh, locals account remains uh, the primary hub. I post there. I post um, like locals only videos and stuff like that. It's free to follow me there. So please do go to the quartering.locals.com. Follow me there. Also, if you are returning to Twitter, you know, yourself, please do follow the quartering. Twitter.com slash the quartering. I've got some interesting things to figure out there. I really want to see how shadow banning works or if that's going to lift. I saw a bunch of new followers last night, not like an insane amount. It was like 500 or something like that, which is, you know, not nothing, but it wasn't like the floodgates opened up. So if it remains crappy, I'll still not spend much time there. But leftist fume after Elon Musk takes over Twitter, it's like the gates of hell opened up on the site. Tesla engineers take control of Twitter's algorithms away from uh, Twitter engineers, the bird is free. The new owner, Elon Musk, reportedly directed engineers from Tesla, where he serves as CEO, to take control of the social media company's code away from Twitter engineers in order to evaluate potential changes to the company. Think about that. You're a Twitter engineer. It's your job. This is your baby. You know, the code set, all this stuff. You're just locked out. You got to go sit in the in the company uh, log cabin room or whatever it is that they have. Uh, go sip some wine on the roof all day long um, because you're probably getting replaced. If you think about it, when you start acquiring companies like this, there are so many economies of scale that exist and uh, and um, uh, redundancies that you know Tesla engineers might be able to handle forty percent of the work. But must begin his uh, new reign. Bloomberg News reported that Musk plans to get rid of all sorts of stuff, uh, saying the bird is freed. Elon Musk locks out Twitter engineers, has Tesla staff reviewing code. Now, Elon did talk about this morning that, uh, um, you know, that he's going to look into the shadow bands. Like, he addressed it directly. Bloomberg reports that Thursday, Elon Musk arrived at Twitter office to officially confirm his company takeover after the deal was closed. As part of the takeover, Musk fired top executives, including CEO Parag Argawal, CFO Ned Seagal, and Vijaya Gadi, head of legal policy, trust, and safety. The company's general counsel, Sean Edgett, was also let go, according to sources that were promptly escorted out of the company's offices, so they were walked out. Musk also reportedly had Tesla engineers enter the offices to review Twitter's code and meet with product leaders at the company. Sources stated that Tesla engineers were there to review the code 
and assess and explain to Musk the changes that they believe the company needs to be to make to be in line with his vision. Now, how long will this take? You know, I assume a, a while. You know, you're not going to like recode Twitter from the ground up. Um, although maybe that'll be what they recommend. I don't know how sloppy the code is. I don't know, uh, you know, what's going on, but <laughs> it's going to be hilarious. Twitter engineers were reportedly locked out from making changes to the platform's current code base in an effort to ensure that nothing about the product changes before Musk's acquisition deal is fully confirmed. Sources say that Musk plans to assume the role of CEO at Twitter, but may eventually exit the role and appoint a new executive at the position. Sources also claim that Musk's, Musk plans to remove Twitter's permanent blacklisting of users as he does not believe in lifelong bans. This would mean users who have been previously removed from the platform, such as former President Donald Trump, uh, you could talk about Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, uh, you know, should be able to return to the site once again. It remains to be seen if formerly blacklisters listed users choose to return and what other policies Elon Musk plans to uh, in, uh, enact. Now, I'm 100% certain that they will. Uh, even Trump, like Trump would be an absolute moron uh, to not return to Twitter. Uh, if, if he did nothing but just, uh, if he did nothing but just shill Truth Social, I mean, he had what, 80 million followers or something like that. You see Ahmed, uh, Elon Musk's engineers looking at code. All the code says is send tweet. Can we fix it? Elon, sure. <laughs> I mean, like uh, getting them locked out, you know, the engineers. Musk is moving swiftly to make a mark at the company as he works to take it private. We already saw, obviously, the terminations that happened this morning, but the real functional change, I, I, I uh, posted this thought, I posted this tweet this morning. I think Tesla needs to uh, really look at three things in general. One, and the most important thing for me, is enforcing a ter the terms of service fairly and not ideologically, meaning, look, I understand that there's going to be rules on Twitter. It's a platform that still has to follow the same rules that Google Play sets and Apple iTunes set, at least for now. Maybe the Tesla phone comes out one day down the road and it, you know, they have a third marketplace and that's where you get it. But for right now, you know, Tesla's going to have to, I'm sorry, Twitter's going to have to uh, maintain the same rules basically that they always have. It's about the enforcement of those rules that I have something to say about. Two, uh, removal of all de-boosting, shadow banning, ghost banning, search suppression, all these things. There's like five different metrics that Twitter can use to suppress accounts. That uh, needs to go away. You know, I sent out a tweet last night that got 5,000 likes. I have never, I don't think ever gotten that kind of interaction on a tweet before. And there's 220,000 people that follow my account. And according to like all the tests, my account is ghost banned. Perma, you know, it's, it's all five of them my account is hidden. So you have to like go to twitter.com slash the quartering to even find me. I have no idea if my, the people that follow me even see my tweets. So that's number two. Uh, and, and the third one, if I can remember correctly, uh, was to remove political bias from the algorithm. Meaning, you know, you can't, if, if you, if you want to know what I'm talking about there, just look at 
as a new account, if you're signing up for Twitter, what will you get promoted? You know, what gets promoted to you? It's all left-wing stuff, all of it. And like when you log in, all you see is left-wing stuff. I don't, I don't want any, first of all, any politics right away when I log in anyway. Now, of course, the media is absolutely melting down, including people like Taylor Lorenz. Leftists went into meltdown mode Thursday night after news broke that Elon had officially taken over the platform and fired the company's top executives. Musk reportedly directed engineers from his electric car company, Tesla, where he also serves as CEO, to take control of the social media comp- company's code away from Twitter engineers to evaluate potential changes to the system. Now, th- that isn't like that surprising. You can't, like, you got to have people you trust, and he probably doesn't know who the heck he can trust in there. Musk also immediately fired leftist CEO Prague Argawal, CFO Ned Segal, and Vijay Gadi, head of legal policy, trust, and safety. She was really the one that pushed for a lot of the censorship. I mean, there's that meme where, like, she was on Joe Rogan, and she's just like, you know, Tim Pool was like, here's a, here's a specific example of left-wing bias. And she's like, well, we need to see context. And then... uh He'd show, oh, Twitter needs, Twitter removed context. And then there's another, I need to see an example of that. It was like a circular argument. Musk also, uh, in media fight, oh, I got that. Uh, the move by Musk triggered a torrent of negative whiny tweets from leftists on the platform. Uh, people do not realize how much Vijaya did for free speech. Tech Dirt writer uh, and editor Musk, or uh, uh, Mike Masnick claimed, Really? What could she have possibly done for free speech? I don't think she did really anything for free speech. I don't think any of us are prepared for how quickly this whole site is going to go down, Uproxx writer Mike Redmond claimed. It's not going to go down. It's a miracle flames aren't shooting out of it already. NBC reporter Ben Collins writes, who often, who often advocates for censorship, by the way, I would be so happy if I'm wrong, but all the red lights are flashing here. Controversial tech columnist Taylor Lorenz says, it's like the gates of hell opened up on the site tonight. The sun is dark, leftist professor Jeff Jarvis tweeted. This is an emergency. Twitter is be taken, being taken over by an evil Sith Lord. Why are they really upset? It's because Bloomberg News reports that Musk plans to get rid of permanent bans on the user platform because he doesn't believe in lifelong prohibitions, which means some people that will you know, return. There's a long list of people, Nick Ricada, um, you know, Veritas, uh, um, uh, James O'Keefe, President Trump, uh, you know, a lot. And you know, the idea that this is like some sort of bad thing is, you know, it's all about the fact that they know they're losing control, that they know that, you know, like, I mean, I sent out this tweet last night. Where is it? Just like. I mean, oh, I had this, uh, but the interaction is like insane. A thousand likes, 1,500 likes, 3,600 likes, 3,500 likes, 5,200 likes. I've never had that kind of interaction on Twitter ever. And there's that brisket I made yesterday too. Mm-mm, good. Uh, and so like as the night went on, interactions went up. That's what they're really afraid of. So you could see Elon Musk has purchased Twitter and some people are very not angry, are very angry to put it, to put it lightly. Look, they're not... Twitter's going to be fine. Nobody's leaving. Um, that's the exact same reason that, you know, with the exception of Gab, all these other alternatives really never picked up any steam. And next up today, Elon Musk fires and humiliates Twitter CEO, CFO, and Vijaya Gadi. Ultimate revenge begins. Wow. I knew that Elon would make some immediate changes, 
but this level of immediate uh is is just amazing like far far quicker than i ever could have imagined and uh i'm here for it because the people that actually got fired were the worst offenders in fact uh four or five months ago i'm sorry in 2022 in april uh Elon Musk predicted, in fact, his hit list, who he was going to fire, who was going to stay, because he has been thinking about this for a long time. The media has been trying to make it seem like, oh, it was just some knee-jerk thing. No, no, he's actually been thinking about this for a very, very long time. And four, now actually five, I think, of the worst defenders have been escorted from the building, one of them bawling their eyes out. Elon Musk closes a deal to acquire Twitter, fires top executives. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has closed a deal to acquire Twitter, ending a month-long saga that casts Musk as the suitor, critic, legal adversary, and ultimately owner of the social media platform. A source familiar with the matter confirmed the deal was closed to ABC News on Friday morning. Some of Twitter's top executives were fired, including CEO Prague Argawal, I mean, <laughs> the ominous what did you get done this week? Tweet. Chief Financial Officer Ned Segal, Chief Legal Officer Vijaya Gadi, and General Counsel Sam Edget. And the company will likely be launching an internal investigation, according to the source. On Friday, Segal recounted his tenure at the company and vowed to remain active as a user of the platform. Quote The last five years have been the most fulfilling of my career, Segal said. The people, the potential, and the importance of Twitter, the shifts in technology, politics, culture, this will be hard to beat. Meanwhile, former President Donald Trump applauded Musk's takeover on Twitter. Um, eh, there was a bunch of news stories ran that with a fake press release that he actually didn't do, so I'm not sure. Um, I'd have to see, I'd have to see uh, the tweet, but they quote, oh, this is a different message, quote, I'm very happy that Twitter is now in sane hands. Trump said in a post on True Social, a platform launched by Trump, Twitter must, Twitter must now work hard to rid itself of bots and fake accounts that have hurt it so badly. Trump told Fox News in April when Musk's news bid to buy Twitter emerged, he would not return to the platform if his ban was lifted and was committing to growing True Social. I don't believe that for a second. I've said that before. It would be honestly the worst business decision if he really meant if he really wanted to grow Truth Social, um, then he would go back on Twitter to his 80 million people and tell them to try out Truth Social. Um, you know, and uh, I just want to talk about the the people that were fired because uh, if you remember, this was a long time coming because if we go here, ex-CEO of Twitter, whose exit stocks of Twitter had jumped, now targets the new owner, Elon Musk, over Vijaya Gotti. Former CEO Dick Costalo targeted the microblogging site's latest owner, Elon Musk, over his tweet exposing left-wing bias of Twitter's head of legal policy and trust, Vijay Gotti. On Wednesday, Twitter owner Elon Musk had put an infographic highlighting the left-wing bias on the platform owner. Did they just re-update this? This isn't even a new article. This is back when he put in the bid to buy it, I guess. So he wasn't technically the owner there, but... In his tweet, Musk shared a meme of Ajay Gotti's interview with American podcaster Joe Rogan and Tim Poole, where she was confronted about Twitter's left-wing bias and arbitrary action against right-wing and conservative accounts. 
The CEO tweeted the image to imply that the corporation has a left-wing bias prompted, promoted by Vijaya Gotti. You have this, we have to take, so Tim would say, here's an example of Twitter's left-wing bias. Vijaya would say, we have to take the context into consideration. Then Tim would say, Twitter's interpretation of the context is affected by their left-wing bias. Then Vijaya would say, I would need to see an example of that. To which then Tim would provide an example of that. To which she would say, we need to take context. <laughs> That's how the whole interview was. And Tim did a masterful job of being totally prepared of concrete examples of left-wing bias. Once he tweeted that, you knew. He, you knew she was gone. Uh, and, you know, this is a woman, I will shed no tears, uh, who, who made seven? Who makes seventeen million dollars a year? Seventeen million dollars a year she was making to essentially be a leftist shill. And you see, like Twitter's top lawyer, Rishur Staff, cries during meeting about Musk takeover. Um, Elon writing suspending the Twitter account of a major news organization for publishing a truthful story was obviously incredibly inappropriate. Uh, referring to the uh, our president's son's laptop, right? Which Twitter suspended the New York Post uh, in a bid to protect Joe Biden in his presidential election seeking, in my opinion. They came up months later and said, oh, well, uh, yeah, I guess we were wrong. Um, no, no, you got caught. You know, and Vijaya also uh, famously is the one behind banning a sitting president. You see memes galore as Twitter users speculate about Trump's return after Musk takeover. Uh, Trump getting ready for Elon Musk to unsuspend his account. Welcome back, President Trump. Twitter awaits you. Donald Trump outside Twitter's office at Elon Musk takeover. Uh, Trump getting unbanned. You know, lots of memes. Elon Musk going to Donald Trump. You are now free. Um, you know, there's so many people. It's Alex too. Andrew Tate. Uh, Alex Jones. Leafy. Jalen. All returning. You know, Kate, Tommy Robinson, Katie Hopkins. Like the, there's, there are dozens of people who had ma massive, massive, massive uh, followings that were banned by people like Vijaya Gotti. Who, by the way, don't feel bad for them because they got paid out. They were fully vested, so they all got paid. Twitter's top lawyer, Vijaya Gotti, cried during a meeting about Elon Musk's takeover. She said... She was in charge of, quote, harassment and dangerous speech. Where were those tears for the children that were uh, exploited and trafficked on Twitter? And you can see here on January 1st, Twitter refused to remove CP because it didn't violate policies. Here's a list of everyone currently fired out the door. Parag Argawal. Uh, I never really, you know, like he was definitely a leftist, but like, you know, he, he didn't seem as demonic as uh, some of these other people did. Uh, Musk even tweeted a, a poo emoji at the top Twitter man after he attempted to explain Twitter attempts to deal with spam bots. Musk was also highly critical of Argawal in text between the two asking them, what did you get done this week? And calling talks a waste of time. Still, in many ways, Argawal comes out of the deal a real winner. He's expected to make $42 million in the takeover after, after forcing Musk to go ahead with the previously agreed price, even after the stock markets tumble around the world. Yeah, yeah. This is why these people, and watch watch where they land, too. You know what I mean? Chief legal officer at Twitter in charge of safety, uh, Vijaya Gandhi, came, uh, came in for harassment from fans of Musk after he criticized her decision to block the New York Post over a story written about 
to President Joe Biden's son. Yeah. It's unsurprising she is among the first to go. As legal chief, she would have helped spearhead Twitter's legal attacks, the strategy to force Musk to go through with the takeover. Gotti cried at a meeting during April, in, uh, in April when she was called to discuss potential changes at Twitter after Musk's takeover was agreed upon. She has also been in charge of trust and safety on the site, with Musk making it clear he's not happy with how Twitter balances moderation and free expression. But she gets to leave with a payout of $12 million. Ned Segal, Twitter's chief financial officer, who had spent five years as chief bean counter for the social network, had previously worked a software company into it and before Goldman Sachs. Having successfully pushed Musk to fulfill his 54.20 per share, Segal will leave with a golden goodbye as well. Sean Edgett, Twitter's general counsel, uh, was one of four Twitter staff frog-marched frog oh, frog from the building last night, along with Segal, Gotti, and Argawal. Who's left? Brett Taylor, a seasoned respected technology executive. Taylor is co-chief executive of Salesforce chairman of Twitter's board. Uh, Jack Dorsey still around. Peter Zatko is still around, the original whistleblower. Um, he's not at Twitter anymore, but uh, I think that you see Twitter's CEO and CFO were immediately fired and escorted out of the building when Elon Musk took control. I mean, that's, that's what you do. You don't let people, you know, send any final tweets. You don't like, you don't get to do any of that stuff. I don't think in what, what we might actually see, I don't know if, if it'll happen today, but like you, we could see all these accounts restored as early as today. It would be very Elon Musk for him to just say, ah, screw it. You know, ah, screw it. We're going to go ahead and just unban them today. Have a good weekend. Ah, like just, you know, now today he's also talking to uh, Twitter staff. So we'll probably have a third video later when we figure when the Twitter staff, you know, what, what, when, what he says to the Twitter, Twitter staff, um, uh, of course, will leak within minutes because that's just how people are nowadays. Um, so it'll be interesting. I don't think uh, he's done firing. I think he's got dozens more executives to fire. I, I said this last night on a live stream. The idea that he was going to fire 75% of people was absurd. Um, he, he's going to fire. He's going to use the 80-20 rule. He's going to look at the who's get these gigantic salaries, and they're going to go first. And he's going to see what... Um, what uh, uh, what synergies he has with his other companies where he could replace them or fold things in. There's no reason to have these gigantic salaries. And next up today, Elon Musk just fired the entire Twitter engineering team. Oops, the media got epically trolled. Whoa, whoa. Uh, I guess Elon is not screwing around as layoffs have already begun. I thought initially he was just going to get the CEO and like all the people he truly hated, but he actually just fired the entire engineering team. This is actually insane. Two things. Uh, if you're returning to Twitter, make sure you follow twitter.com slash the quartering. And secondly, there's been a weird sub purge here on YouTube the past week. I'm covering this story and all the other, all the other big news stories. Of course, please make sure you're still subscribed. And if you haven't yet, and you enjoy the coverage you appreciate the coverage. I would greatly appreciate you subscribing today. It helps the channel an absolute ton. And um, it's obviously free. I know sometimes you have to create an account or whatever, but uh, it would be really cool if you did.
It's somewhere I worked for for six years and everything suddenly changed. Cooter Data Engineering team leaving the HQ after being laid off today. We got actual video of a uh, interview. Initially, I was like, Ugh, I don't like, I don't think people should celebrate, you know, people getting terminated. You can laugh when like the CEO has a $42 million golden parachute or when JJ has a $17 million parachute or whatever, but like regular everyday people, um, it's a little crummier. But then I heard him talk and that changed everything for me. Elon Musk has started to cut employees at Twitter Inc. Employees were seen leaving the company's San Francisco headquarters carrying boxes of belongings. The cut started right after a deal closed on Thursday with several executives. We knew, we knew about that. The company has scheduled an employee meeting for next Wednesday, but some staff did not receive invitations, according to a person familiar with the matter. Uh, that's a big yikes. Uh, that's one way to figure it out. Now, there is a couple of clips I want to show. So you see Benny Johnson tweeting, breaking Twitter perch continues, software engineers fired. Now, I've seen the same picture of two of them. The story is being reported that Elon Musk fires like all these Twitter engineers. Uh, I assume that, you know, uh, it wouldn't be necessary if all these, pro, pro, you know, employees weren't like uh, crazy ideologues. And that's kind of what it seems like. Like one of the dudes who got laid off said, well, Barack Obama never would have been uh, allowed to be president if it were, if Elon Musk owned Twitter. Think about that statement. Think about that statement. Deidre Boza says it's happening. Entire team of data engineers let go. These are two of them. So she reports the entire team. They are visibly shaken. Daniel tells us he owns a Tesla and doesn't know how he's going to make payments. Oof. 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 Now I want to get to this video, by the way, which is provided by, I want to give credit. Uh, I, this looks like, well, from somebody who didn't credit them. Sawyer Merritt post this. I don't know, you know where it came from, but you got to listen carefully to some of the things this guy says because he literally has a picture of Michelle Obama with him, which is really weird. He says, you hear him? I even own a Tesla, man. Imagine getting fired. By the way, you know, I've been laid off. Most of you probably have been laid off before. It happens. It's a part of life. This is a kid. He'll bounce back. He'll get a job for another company that's willing to censor speech for his political beliefs or whatever the case may be. He'll bounce back. Uh, but imagine getting fired and then walking outside. There's freaking news cameras there. Let's get to a closer one here. Everything's changed very quickly. Did you hear him there? It makes me worry about the future of our democracy. That's the one employee. So clearly a political ideologue. Maybe, maybe, uh, uh, Elon walked in and was like, oh, yeah, these people are all uh, far leftist activists in addition to also working here. 
and I'm not going to be able to do my job uh, when they work here. Celebrity conservatorship? What? Look at, look at, watch this, watch this moment right here. He has, what, is it a Michelle Obama book or something? Yeah, it looks like a Michelle Obama book. Are you crazy? These are, these are lunatic. This means that the Twitter purchase was 1000% justified and needed. By the way, have you subscribed yet? Really appreciate you. I'll be covering this all weekend. I may even work Sunday too, because these developments are coming fast and furious. I'm uploading stuff. I don't even care about notifications at this point. I'm just uploading stuff. So make sure you're subscribed. Really? It sounds like he's admitting to some sort of interference or some sort of putting the thumbs on the on the scale, isn't it? What does he mean Barack Obama wouldn't have been president if Elon Musk owned Twitter? Why? At this point, somebody just realized to turn their mic on. Guy owning a company, you know? Free speech is when a public, it's a, a company is traded publicly as opposed to one guy owning it. That is not the definition of free speech. But, I mean, I even own a Tesla, man. Like, so? I, I'm a big fan of, like, clean energy, climate change. He's a fan of climate change? Um, even free speech, too. No, you're not. But, um, yeah. Software engineer. Three years out of college. Salty Cracker brought this up on our live stream. He's 100% right. First job out of college, just as he called First it. First job out of college. Did they tell you why you were laid off? Did they give a reason? They said, like, no reason, but um, it's just like restructuring or like no specific reason. One person talked. So there was an HR person in the beginning and then a one person. By the way, if I had just been laid off, I would not be giving interviews. You know, talking. Um, Okay, Rahul. Wait a minute. What? No. <laughs> These guys. They're fake. They don't work there. The guy's name is supposedly Rahul Ligma. Rahul Ligma. <laughs> oh my God. I knew. I knew that it was too on the nose. I, I like what you're seeing now. I actually had recorded this entire video and then like, I heard the video again and I was like, Rahul Ligma? That doesn't make sense. And then I saw this article. <laughs> People are pretending to be laid off Twitter employees carrying boxes outside of the headquarters. 
There are plenty of problems with what the two men say to the reporter. The most glaring one is that the man identifies himself as a software engineer named Rahul Ligma. The Verge has confirmed that the name does not exist in Twitter's Slack or email system. There's also no evidence that the employees exist even on LinkedIn. Ligma is, of course, an internet hoax designed to elicit the response, lick my balls from people who are in on the joke. That didn't stop multiple outlets, including CNBC and Bloomberg, from running headlines Friday saying that the laid-off Twitter employees were leaving the building carrying the boxes. Musk fired many top executives Thursday's evening and has signaled that he will in fact lay off employees, but Ligma is not one of them. A spokesperson for Twitter did not respond. (laughs) One man said his name was Rahul Ligma. He doesn't work at Twitter. Also, LOL. One epic, epic troll. Now, is it possible that he was like an actual Twitter employee and uh, and that he just <laughs> he, he was just trolling there? Probably not. But wow, was that great acting? Absolute great acting. I, I like. I would assume then that he did not lay off the engineering team. Now there were people. Uh, there's an all hands meeting on Wednesday next week. There were people who were not invited to that, which would signal that they're probably going to get laid off, but this probably isn't it. Like I, I was, I was almost thinking like, Oh, I had uploaded the video. I was just about to press live. I listened to the video again and I'm like, this can't, his name really can't be Rahul Ligma. Now I don't know what the other person's name was, but the, the carrying the Michelle Obama book, uh, it, it's all so hilarious. I'm glad that I double checked, triple checked uh, before I published that because that would have been one heck of a gaffe. Hey, if you're enjoying the coverage, I've got tons, not just Twitter coverage going on. I've got some stuff going around The Witcher. I've got some uh, Black Panther hilarity going on. I'd really appreciate it if you subscribed. There's a red subscribe button down below the video if you're on YouTube. Or if you're on uh, Rumble Odyssey or BitChute, please subscribe there as well. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash thequartering. And join my locals. Locals. Uh, it's uh, thequartering.locals.com. I'd absolutely love if you join over there. It's like, a, it's like a group chat. It's like a Facebook group essentially for us. It's free to join. And uh, I post videos there and memes there. And everyone hangs out. And next up, Elon Musk just backtracked on banning everyone. Jeremy thinks he knows why. Welcome into the Elon Musk News Network. Just kidding. I've got a full schedule of content, maybe uh, at least for tomorrow. Got some uh, Black Panther news and some news about The Witcher and some other stuff. But, man, just trying to keep up with everything that's going on with Elon. I appreciate everyone who's new to the channel and have, uh, have subscribed today. Really, really greatly appreciate it. Um, and if you haven't yet, I hope you'll consider it. Uh, and everyone, all the new followers on Twitter too has been pretty wild. Last night or early, you know, really when Elon completed the deal for Twitter, uh, it was kind of, I think people were celebrating a little early, it was, but it was kindly, kindly, kind of genuine, generally accepted that he was going to unban like, Donald Trump and Alex and all these people uh, immediately upon taking over or very soon thereafter. And while I still think he will, 
I knew it was going to be a little more complicated than that because Twitter still has to adhere to terms of service of Google Play and iTunes. And I suspect at the, I suspected at the time there would be some troubles with that. This article was you know printed yesterday. Elon Musk urged to unban several exiled Twitter accounts after takeover. Elon Musk will reportedly now reinstate some of the internet's most polarizing figures, including a certain former U.S. president. Reports are swirling that Elon Musk will move to reinstate a number of banned Twitter accounts, including a certain former U.S. president that was sensationally booted from the platform last year, you know, by the woman that was just fired, too. Musk's statements leading up to the massive takeover of the company have led many to expect he will restore Donald Trump's account and reinstate others who were blocked from break, for, for breaking Twitter's previous codes of conduct. Quote, I think that was a mistake because it alienated a large part of the country and did not ultimately result in Donald Trump not having a voice, Musk told the Financial Times. In May, as chatter began to build over his potential purchase of the platform, quote, banning Trump from Twitter didn't end Trump's voice. It will amplify among the right, and that's why it's morally wrong and flat out stupid. Bloomberg reported, reported from a person, quote, close to the matter, meaning, I don't know, they made it up, said Musk intends to do away with permanent bans on users because he doesn't believe in lifelong prohibition. Twitter's users opposed to the company's censorship from small accounts spreading, quote, unquote, coof misinformation to politicians have spent the day rallying the world's richest man to make good on his promise. After going on a firing spree Friday, Musk sent out a characteristically cheeky tweet, a deal that puts him on about the end of the deal. Um, He has long trumpeted the importance of free speech on social media, stating that he wishes to build Twitter into a global town hall where all views are able to be shared. Human Events host host Jack Posobiec said uh, Musk sacked Chief Executive Parag Argawal as well as the Chief, Chief Financial Officer and had... Uh, and its head of safety immediately after the deed was handed over. Argawal went to court to hold Tesla chief to the terms of the takeover, a deal that he had tried to escape. Uh, he ends up tweeting, the bird is free. <clears throat> we all know the history of him trying to step back the deal and then bringing it over. Uh, that said, he now tweeted, first of all, he also tweeted that he's going to be looking into the shadow banning this is something that is really, really, really exciting for me. I don't see much value in investing time into Twitter unless he does. It looks like, at least from this account, that they are seeing some more exposure and that type of thing is getting fixed. I don't know if that's the case. That feels like that's pretty you know, awfully quick. Twitter engineers um, you know, taking over the code. I'm sorry, Tesla engineers taking over the code, at least for now. Maybe they did make some changes about shadow banning and deboosting and stuff. You know, if I could actually talk to my uh, my viewers, that would be one thing. Uh, but now he put this out. Twitter will be forming a content moderation council with widely diverse viewpoints. No major content decisions or account reinstatements will happen before that council convenes. Essentially, what he's saying here is nobody's getting unbanned today. Nobody's probably getting unbanned next week. Nobody's probably getting unbanned this year. It sure seems like that anyway. 
But if you read between the lines, this is what I think happened. I think once he consummated the deal, somebody at Google Play or somebody at Apple iTunes Store or perhaps both or perhaps Amazon servers or you know whatever services, all these people said, you can't just do that. You can't just bring back Alex. You can't just bring back uh, Donald or you know, we'll, we'll just suspend services to you, which is what we saw them do to Parler, right? Once the left saw Parler as a legitimate threat to Twitter, Amazon Web Services took away their, their servers. Um, Google Play and Apple iTunes Store removed them from that position. Now, hopefully there's a day in the very near future where apps do not have to go through the Google Play Store and the iTunes Store to be successful to reach critical mass, but that's the case right now. So I'm guessing that somebody probably said, bro, you can't just walk in here and reinstate Donald Trump. Uh, it'd be you know, a major issue and, and Google Play might say, they may have just said like, we're not, we're not playing that. We'll just take you off the Google store because we want to. The rot is very, very deep in Silicon Valley. And while, you know, yes, I want these accounts restored, but like even before that, it'd be nice if we could get kind of those three main things like equal enforcement of the rules, uh, no shadow ban, deboosting, or whatever forms of suppression they use, um, and have the algorithm be actually like not politically biased. I think these would be more important on my list of things that I'd want, you know, done before worrying about unbanning a bunch of people that got banned. I think you have two major actors and probably really just one person that would ruffle, that's really probably causing all these problems and it's Trump. So there's probably, when he starts restoring accounts, this is probably what, what it'll look like. It's not, it's unlikely to just be everybody all at once. It'll probably be all the low profile bands, um, you know, like, people that maybe had a few thousand followers that got banned, stuff like that. There's going to be a situation where, whoop, I moved my, my uh, frame there. You're not going crazy. I did that. They're, they're not going to just, you know, automatically reinstate all these people. What they will do is they'll roll them out slow. They'll have to make individual decisions. They'll categorize the people who were banned and why they were banned. And I, I strongly suspect there will still be people who have a ban. Maybe this is what they'll do. They'll say, based on the severity of the, of the, uh, ah, I get the you leave the window open for one minute and a friggin' fly gets in here. Uh, what a disaster of a video. Um, they leave the, uh, that maybe they'll email everybody who's suspended and say, all right, well, your permanent suspension has been downgraded to a six-month suspension or a three-month suspension or a two-week suspension or a one-year suspension. And they'll start the clock on letting people back on. That might be how I would do it. Maybe Elon is just a total madman and I'm dead wrong and they just had uh, and they just have whatever they want and they're just going to unban everybody. But I think that's what it is. Um, and you see... Some people are kind of pissed about it, but I, I'm pretty sure that that's what happened. I'm pretty sure um, that they can't do this um, quite as quickly as we had hoped. So we're going to continue to keep an eye on it. I'm going to continue to report on it. 
That's why subscribing is so important because YouTube does not serve up my videos to regular people searching for the news. I've greatly appreciated all your support, all the people that have joined me on um, thequartering.locals.com. Um, we did a little uh, kind of locals only stream last night. That was really fun. And we're going to do those more often. And uh, I do appreciate everyone who uh, refollowed me on Twitter now. It's, it's nuts. The interactions are crazy. Uh, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. You know, people, people talk about Kanye West uh, being re restored. Kanye West was restored to Twitter today. And people are trying to say that, oh, Elon did that. Elon didn't. Uh, Elon actually, uh, the, his account was restored before uh, he ever took any kind of uh, ownership. I'm sure that Kanye was just suspended for seven days. He deactivated for that period and then reactivated once his suspension was over. Has nothing to do with uh, Elon. It's just the media, Mayra Flores, uh, trying to smear Elon. That's why he's saying Elon Musk's Twitter restores Kanye West. No, that's actually not true. And be prepared. Be prepared. I mean, Elon is going to uh, go under attack. He's going to face some of the strongest push uh, that he's ever seen. And next up today, white people banned from Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Uh, one of the biggest releases, new releases for Marvel this year, of course, Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Uh, a lot of people will be watching just how they handle the passing of its main character in real life uh, and how they how they handle the passing of Chala in the movie. Um, but I always think it's it's more interesting to see how everyone else is reacting. Look, I don't really have any interest in seeing Black Panther uh, Wakanda forever. Would I watch it on a... If it turns out good, like if Critical Drinker says it's good, I'll wait for it to be out on Disney Plus and watch it for free, essentially. Uh, I didn't think the first Black Panther was amazing. I thought it was a 6 out of 10. Um, but that's what Marvel puts out. Marvel puts out a medium, mediocre to... Um, slightly above average video or movies and that's kind of it you get the rare you know like dr strange or the first guardians of the galaxy things like that where you know it's a little bit better than what you expected but you know for the most part they're just popcorn movies that some people enjoy and some people don't and that's fine modern marvel and disney seem more concerned with identity politics and things of that nature obviously you can't necessarily say Wakanda forever is, you know, it's, it's, in, you know, the cast is lore specific. Um, I do notice that they basically featured only women uh, on the posters, but that's neither here nor there. Now we've got activists coming out and saying white people must skip Black Panther Wakanda forever on opening weekend uh, to do anything else is actually anti-black. So I'll tell you this right now, you should probably not see this. I, I agree, I support this. Uh, racism is very bad. I don't like it. Uh, so make sure you skip Black Panther on opening weekend. And by the way, I've got to, uh, you know, I've got to say like, good call out, you know, let's stop racism by not seeing Black Panther Wakanda forever. Maybe you should just never go to see it, you know? In arguably one of the most predictable discourse developments imaginable, Black Panther with Wakanda Forever is declared 
so important for the black community that white audiences must refrain from attending opening weekend screenings of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever in order to prove that they are, quote, down for the cause. This is via Founding in the Comics. The needlessly divisive rhetoric was first raised back on October 24th in a TikTok video posted by a self-described social reform activist, heavy emphasis on self-described, as her own website appears to list her credentials in the field as little more than the operation of a seemingly defunct personal blog. You see uh, this tw this uh, TikTok. The message, quote, for all of our world, uh, uh, be accomplices and white allies. I'm not being an ally for anybody. You know, my personal friends or family, regardless of their skin color, I'll be an ally for them. Uh, it's ridiculous. Lee dismissively opened her now deleted post. I wonder why it got deleted. This message is to all the white people who have BLM in their bio. Okay, okay. Maybe this. Maybe she's just calling out like wokies, right? Like uh, you know, social justice warriors. If you really want to prove to black people that you love us, and that you care about us, and that you're really down for the cause. Don't go see Black Panther Wakanda Forever opening weekend. You buy your tickets and you give it to a black person or a black. So you want us to, you want white people to still buy tickets. That's a weird thing to say that like, oh, black families need charity. That's a really bizarre point to have. You buy your ticket, you give it to a black person or a black family who cannot afford to go. Okay, that's fair. Um, and then you go sit at that theater in front of the doors. What? You make sure that every black person in the theater can enjoy that movie in peace. You make sure you use your body to block anybody who would be coming into that theater to do us harm. So are they telling, is she saying that you need to block white people from going into the movie too? I, I don't really understand this. Why do you, why are people like this? Like like seriously, why why are people like this? That's right. Unironically and without a hint of self-awareness, Lee has bafflingly encouraged white people not or to not only patronizingly sneak out seek out poor black people and not only do their righteous duty of buying them a ticket to the latest Marvel CGI Smash Fest instead of offering any realistic help, but also act as their saviors against her fantasy group of racist uh, people that might do them harm. As an aside, this particular piece of her declarations harkens back to the, the incel stuff going on around Joker. As like journal the journalist who strongly pushed the narrative, um, Lee seems to be almost attempting to will such terrible acts into existence. This is your job, Lee ordered. You can go see it on another weekend. Go see it on the second or third weekend. But that first weekend is for us, she concluded. To do anything other than this is anti-black. This is not parody either. So you have a situation here where I say, yeah, don't go see the movie. Don't go see it. And then when they call everyone racist for not going to see the video, go see the movie, you post this TikTok and you say, I was told that I shouldn't go in order to be down for the cause. And everybody knows for I'm down for the cause. I've got the bumper sticker. I changed my 
profile picture to the black square. I, I donated money to the uh, corporation. I don't really know what they did with it, but I know that their leader got a really fancy mansion uh, in a 99.7% white, white neighborhood, a gated community. I'm really happy for her. Uh, I'm down for the cause. I'm not going to see Black Panther Wakanda forever. Now, you know, just being honest to my viewers, I didn't have a lot of interest in this movie anyway. I've definitely like fallen out of love with Marvel movies. There's still something I enjoy to watch. Like I enjoy watching whatever, like uh, I'll stream it at home. And that's where Marvel movies are best watched nowadays. You know, you spend $50 at the movie theater or you could spend $0 and watch it at home, you know, in, in the comfort of your home. Plus, if you do that, you're not being racist. You're being down for the cause. Unsurprisingly, Lee is not the only person to be pushing the idea that Black Panther Wakanda Forever's opening weekend should be segregated. Taken to his personal Twitter on October 26th, Hollywood Critics Association founder Scott Menzel challenged, quote, I challenge all non-POC critics, so white critics, and journalists, big and small, to email their PR contacts and give up your seat to tonight's Wakanda Forever premiere uh, or tomorrow's screening to a critic or entertainment journalist of color. Who is this for? Like, these white saviors, like, do they think they're going to walk down the street and, like, some random uh, black dude or, or a, a, a female uh, is going to be like, thank you, Scott Menzel, for that tweet. Thank you. I already gave my seat away for tomorrow. Wow, very cool, man. Imagine the unironic racism of this. It's like Scott Menzel walking up to, I assume, like a black friend of his or something like that. Like, here, you need this more than me. Could you imagine? Like, I know I have black viewers. I know how you'd react. You don't watch my videos if you think this is a good idea. You'd be like, hey, what the hell? Like, what? Like, there's no way. I mean, that couldn't be more patronizing and racist. Like, Oh, oh, you're just a uh, you're just a black person. Let me give you my theater. T Get out of here. Of course, the elephant in the room is that it still seems white people are being positioned in a racist catch 22. Should they turn up for the film on the ongoing weekend, ostensibly helping support the narrative that black women can lead the box office globally? It seems that they'll be deemed as anti-black for depriving black individuals to a seat. By the way, there is zero chance that any real black people think like this. I have a feeling that this activist is probably white. Like, I know if I went to the theater that there would be exactly zero black folks saying anything to me about being there. They're just there to see the movie. It's not, a, it's not a, like, it's not about, like, I don't know what it is about this movie. It got turned into this, like, uh, you know, you, if you're black, you have to see it. I, I mean, I think you should just see movies that are good. Um, if the movie's good, then go see it. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think, I think the whole, oh, if you're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't, I think just don't go see it and say, I'm not going to go see it. Maybe the first weekend. Take the first weekend off. You can point to this video and say, I was told, by the way, I predict that the Rotten Tomatoes, I could be wrong, but my early prediction is going to be in the high 80s to low 90s. And, and early reviews from people who I've seen 
who saw this is it's like a 78 to 82 movie, which is what Marvel puts out. If you want to go see the movie, you enjoy your popcorn and whatever, I think there's absolutely nothing uh, wrong with that. Look at this. I wanted to see this movie so bad. Every time I get sucked into these like, um, like exorcism movies, look at this. Critics gave it a 23%. Fans gave it a 72. That's what I'm going to go see this weekend. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I just, nobody told me not to. So I guess I'll go enjoy it. And next up, Elon Musk taking over Twitter hurts women the most. It's been a wild ride. I feel like I made a dozen Elon Musk Twitter videos in the past 24 hours. And the chaos isn't slowing down at all. As now the mainstream media is, is doing Olympic level stretching trying to say suddenly because elon musk buys bought something billionaires buying things are bad you know nobody said anything about jeff bezos buying twitch nobody said anything about jeff bezos buying uh the literal washington post and perhaps my favorite hot take thus far is elon musk buys twitter women most affected a musk owned twitter could be disastrous for women and marginalized communities already facing abuse and targeted harassment on the platform. This is from Wired Magazine. You know, they, they write about tech, but I wouldn't exactly say that this is a tech-related article. And you can see it currently has 389 quote tweets to 370 likes. It's getting absolutely dunked on. Good, leave we don't, if you don't like it. Uh, thank you for reminding me to never subscribe to Wired again. Uh, replying with Wired, they could build their own platform. I think you're using missing the idea. Wired is saying women are incapable of running a platform. Uh, if it, if the meanness is too harsh, they can always close their accounts. LOL, leave. Uh, I mean, like here's Blair White in here. Cry more. Let the floodgates tears continue. Um, <laughs> I'm Muslim, and I'm saying that you're out of your mind. Uh, thank you for hiding replies so we can easily go right to the good stuff. Uh, if we look at the hidden replies, you can see, oh man, you have advanced stupid. Uh, finally, someone uh, that is real, unlike you guys with your leftif leftist harassment, preaching racism, F off, Elon all day, baby. Shut up, keep crying, F off, 100% BS. Like, F them, create your own multi-billion dollar social media platform if you don't like it. God, I never get sick of that. I literally never get sick of that. Uh, and here's the article, which is hilarious. And the Washington Post also published an absolutely brain-melting, dumb, hot take article that we're going to take a look at, too. Elon Musk's Twitter will be chaos. Chaos. Have you noticed any chaos today? All, I've, all I noticed was I, I picked up a few thousand new followers. And then a lot of people did say, wow, I'm seeing your tweets for the first time. So maybe Elon has removed shadow banning and um, deboosting, which certainly would be awesome. And that's not even like a partisan thing. That That's good for everybody. After months spent trying to undo the deal he initiated, Tesla founder um, Elon Musk now owns Twitter. Musk has reportedly wasted no time in making big changes. Yesterday, the Washington Post reported that the company's chief executive, Parag Argawal, and chief financial officer, Ned Segal, General Counselor Sean Edgett and Vijaya Gadi, the head of legal policy, trust, and safety, have all been fired. Nobody's surprised by that, by the way. Segal has since updated his bio to, bio to former CFO and current fan of Twitter. Well, 
yeah, I mean, I think he got paid like $30 million to get fired, so whatever. The entrepreneur's tweets and public statements since then, along with private text messages released through Twitter's lawsuit, seeking to enforce a deal, detail sweeping but sometimes conflicting ambitions for the company. Many have triggered concerns from people who use, study, or work at Twitter that may lose an imperfect but uniquely open online space. If Musk carries through his ideas, even partly, Twitter could see users see a big confusing shift in the platform's features and social dynamics. What do you mean? Like people, like the 220,000 people that choose to follow me on Twitter actually seeing my tweets? That probably would be scary. That probably would be confusing too because they'd be like, what's happening here? I'm seeing these tweets from the quartering. I, I feel like I remember following him. And of course, Musk said at the Financial Times event in May that he'd reversed the ban that kicked Donald Trump off the platform. Uh, we now know that he has slowed his role on that. I, I don't think that he's not going to do it, uh, but he is, you know, he is certainly backtracking on that, which, again, I, I think I understand why. He's got to be a little more tactful. Um, Musk had suggested making the algorithm used to rank tweets open source could quash fears of any particular views having an advantage on the platform. They're writing this like it's a bad thing. His text messages showed that his interest in the idea may have originated Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey, who wrote that the service must be an open source protocol, much like securing message service, the secure message service signal. Gene Burgess, a professor at digital media at the Queensland University of Technology in Australia, who has co-authored, ooh, she wrote, co-authored a book Twitter believes Musk will seek to expand Twitter's experiment with a Twitter Blue. A version of the app for $3 a month grants access to features like the ability to edit and undo tweets. But while that may boost the platform's business, she thinks it may undermine Twitter's role as a digital public forum by limiting participation to those who can pay. What? It does. Who? What kind of idiot wrote this article? It's literally just like none of it is true. Like, absolutely none of it is true. It's such a weird thing to read. Like, it's like they don't understand even, like, the most basic of basic things uh, in terms of what Twitter's going to be, what Twitter's going to do. Like, that appeared to reference to WeChat. Like, yeah, it's going to be like WeChat, and that's awesome. You know, it's gonna they're going to have more features. People are going to be able to upload videos. And by the way... Where are the, where's your where's your case to, you know, uh, that it's going to be bad for women? Like, what do you mean? I I don't even understand. Women have the exact same, uh, you know, access and and everything. I think women are strong, uh, and and uh, powerful, and and they can definitely handle some mean tweets. I mean, I think that that's probably a reasonable thing to say. Then you have this clown shoe article in the Washington Post. Again, the Washington Post owned by Jeff Bezos, just like Twitch. Suddenly, Elon Musk. Elon Musk is the only billionaire acquiring power through technology that it's a problem for. And why do you think that that is? Could it be, could it be that he does not toe the line in terms of like the mainstream ideological opinions? By the way, dude's definitely moving Twitter out of California. California hates him. He wants to move all that stuff out of there, and I don't blame him one bit. The hidden danger lurking behind Elon Musk's Twitter takeover. What? Ramifications of what? 
this guy writes this whole article saying like beyond Musk's acquisition of Twitter, troubling new details have emerged about his effort to influence the Russia-Ukraine conflict through his proposal. He wrote a tweet. All right, you know who's doing more to perpetuate the Russia-Ukraine conflict? Our freaking government, who keeps sending them billions of dollars. They just approved another two hundred and fifty million dollars. Who do you think is financing their war, bro? It's not Elon Musk sending out a tweet, you clown. And like they, that, that came after Musk for confusingly uh, threatened that Starlink might cease funding in Ukraine's internet access. Musk reverse course. By the way, I don't think he should have. He should be getting paid for his service. This time, Musk stuck with Ukraine, but problems like these aren't going away. So what? I, I guess what he's saying is because Elon Musk owns Twitter, they can't ban him. Is that what it is? Mass, Musk's track record in taking on humanity's problems is mixed, but there's no denying his contribu contribution to mainstream electric vehicles as a core solution to the existential problem of climate change. Well, they're not going to fix anything unless we get more nuclear power plants, but uh, that's an inconvenient truth too. So perhaps Musk will force all of us to eat our words once again by functioning mainly as a positive force in the U what, Ukraine. What? What? How is this about Ukraine? And next up today, horrible news for fans of The Witcher video game. We got some awesomely terrible news for fans of The Witcher. The Witcher, the video game, uh, was a phenomenon. So gigantic, Witcher 3, for example, I mean, particularly. But The Witcher series is one of the best, well, one of the most uh, well-known video game series on the planet. A book series. Uh, and, of course... Uh, a HBO reimagining. Is it on HBO? What is it? it was, whatever. It's a TV show. Lauren Hitzrich runs it. I actually reached out to her after reading some of these articles about the show, which I cover, I'll cover later. But they have announced a Witcher remake, um, which is uh, developed by Fool's Theory on Unreal 5. CD Projekt has announced a remake to the first entry of the Witcher series, boasting the upcoming title as a, quote, Modern, oh, I gotta, hold on a second. Reimagining. Of the original and revealing that it will be built from the ground up. First revealed in the developer strategy update earlier this month under the codename Canis Majoris, the Witcher remake promises to be a modern reimagining of the 2007 game as a part of its 15th anniversary. Based on the Fantasy novels, The Witcher tells the story of Geralt of Rivia, raised as a witcher from a young age. Geralt offers his services as a monster hunter, something you almost never see on The Witcher TV show, but that's neither here nor there, as he pursues those who have obtained the School of the Wolf's mutagens and make more, to, uh, to make more witchers. Players are faced with the decisions that can affect the lives of many and alliances that are not made lightly. Boasting a, quote, ground-up remake... With Unreal Engine 5 technology, the game will also use the same tool set CD Projekt Red will employ for the new Witcher trilogy announced earlier this year. Currently, the remake is only in its early stages of development under Fool's Theory, who had previously supported development for Outriders, Baldur's Gate 3, Divinity Original Sin 2, and their own Game 7. You know, some of these are really good games, though. Like, you know, the, the, the work that they do is decent. Now, quote, The Witcher is where it all started for us, says CD Projekt Red, head of studio, 
Adam Badowski stated in a press release. It was the first game we ever made. It was a big moment for us then, going back to this place and remaking the game for the next generation of gamers to experience. It just feels as big, if not bigger. Well, I mean, you could also just play the game, you know, the game as it exists now. I mean, <clears throat> look at all the people that are playing World of Warcraft Classic. It's crushing it right now. Those graphics are super old. Badowski explains, quote, collaborating with Fool's Theory on the project is just as exciting as some of the people there have been previously involved with Witcher games. The studio's teams boasts veteran developers um, and blah, 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 blah. They know the source material well. They know how much gamers have been looking forward to seeing the remake happen. And they know how to make incredible and ambitious games, Badowski reassures. And although it will take some time before we're ready to share more about the game, I know it'll be worth the wait. Fool's Theory, Jacob Rakos also offered his thoughts, saying, quote, I am very happy that my professional paths have crossed again with fellow developers from the time of working together with Witcher 2. We're excited to join forces with CD Projekt, and our goal is to give players another great game from the iconic Witcher series. Now, I don't know if I really see... They don't actually use that, the, quote, modern... Oh, no, it does. Modern reimagining. Yeah, okay, they did actually use the language. Um, yeah, bad, 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 bad news. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's sad for fans of The Witcher. Uh, I'm not surprised in the least, in the least, the leadest. Um, and, you know, it could also be, if you were paying attention, a few weeks ago, this was a, a video that I really wanted to cover, um, but... Never got a chance to, and then I felt like it was too late. CD Projekt, deep dive, approach to ESG, which is the death knell, right? Look at some of the comments. ESG is a precursor to the Chinese-style social media credit store. Good job. And there goes the last bit of respect I had for CD Projekt Red. ESG is the antithesis of why people bought your products. It's like McDonald's declaring they're moving to an all-salad menu. I'm thankful you just went full mask off and openly explained why your company is now awful. Thank you for saving me money. Should we make better games? Should we hire better writers? No, let's use survey data to dictate how our games should be. I mean, like, <laughs> this is the most dystopian thing ever released by CD Projekt Red. The goal is, quote, to enrich my perception through, quote, important social topics. No, thanks, guys. I just want fun games with good stories. This video got downvoted into oblivion. My name is Piotr Nilubovic. I'm a member of the board and CFO at the Project. I'm also personally involved in a range of environmental, social, and government initiatives, ESG for short, and I'm responsible for the Project Group's reporting in this matter. I would like to present our strategic approach to ESG issues in the context of our business. This approach reflects our identity and our values. It also takes into consideration the interests of our stakeholders identified in a relevant survey, which we carried yeah. out for the first time. In this is the, the company that, you know, this, the, the, uh, you know, these people hold like uh, stock companies hostage to get woke, essentially. They, 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 they remove the rating from Tesla for no reason. It's held this year. 
the festival provides a unique opportunity for motion picture, gaming, and other creative industry professionals who represent various companies, nationalities, and market segments to get to know one another and swap ideas and learnings. In addition, our team members regularly share their experience and knowledge at local and international gaming events. Hmm. Together, we create a diverse and inclusive work environment. Of <laughs> oh, there it goes. A diverse and inclusive work environment. Wow, that seems like somebody else's words. Of which we are very proud. Are you? In pursuing highly complex creative projects, we recognize the need to ensure a friendly and comfortable work environment. From 2022 onward, this applies to both the team members who work mainly from our offices, as well as those who opt to work in the remote first mode. The launch of Cyberpunk 2077 and the course of the pandemic have taught us a lot. We drew conclusions and rolled out a wide array of changes. We intend to continue to further improve our company. Thirdly, our corporate premises and environment. Three years ago, we purchased a property complex. I mean, you have, I mean, it's, it's shocking that you have the same company that made cyberpunk like a dist about a dystopian future getting involved with the esg and like you see i will not eat the bugs i will not live in the pod i will not bow to corporate esg overloads and i overloads and i will not support the international dismantling of rationality and critical thinking i mean it's like where where's this self-awareness and making a game about a nightmare future while propagating that future. Unreal. I mean, this is a, like a huge lesson in burning. I mean, the Cyberpunk 2077 release burned massive amounts of goodwill for CD Projekt. Massive. And then, <clears throat> I mean, look, I, it's still installed on my computer. It's actually on my old computer. I have a whole new computer now. I haven't even installed it again. I know that the game's pretty much done now, and I'll probably have fun playing it when I do. But I mean, I was, I was somebody that not only pre-ordered, but then I did the whole like, you know how they were like, well, if you pre-order it from us, we make more money. So I like went and pre-ordered it from their service. Is it GOG? Yeah, I think GOG, G-O-G. I pre-ordered from their service so they could keep a bigger cut and the game was unplayable at launch. And also really, even though, I mean, to be fair, I had a pretty high-end computer at the time and the computer seemed fine. I mean, there were glitches, like all new games, unfortunately, but that's the reality. But just didn't have very much to do. There wasn't much going on in the world, and I didn't feel like, you know, there was supposed to be more data coming, more information coming, more patches, more content. I mean, they've seen a resurgence because of their cyberpunk uh, anime show. But, like, this is a lot of, this is a video that went under the radar. Nice to know you're making games for ideological shareholders and not gamers. Is a big yikes, and uh, when you combine that with, you know, the modern reimagining, probably going to be skipping this game, maybe all future games from CD Projekt. And last up today, instant regret for disgusting House of Dragon article. If you wonder why Gen Z, if you wonder why the kids aren't okay, it could be because they're reading Cosmopolitan magazine, who put out what maybe was the most insane article. Uh, on House of the Dragon, uh, that, yeah, yeah, drag, dragon. Yeah, yeah, I'm from the Midwest, I know. Uh, that That is, like, imaginable. Like, there, there's just no way that you can imagine how insane this article was, how swift and massive the backlash was. And it's because 
these people are demons. Like, I, I, I literally cannot think of a better descriptor for it. Uh, I just, I just can't. Um, so House of the Dragon had its fi finale last week. And so everyone's, you know, scrambling to write articles about it. I nothing House of the Dragon seems like it was pretty successful. Uh, I wasn't pumped about tuning in to a show that most of the media around it was talking about how it was smashing the patriarchy and all this stuff. So I didn't watch it. Maybe one day I'll watch it, but life is short and my free time, uh, you know, I choose to spend on shows that I definitely hate, like Rings of Power and She-Hulk. Uh, and this article comes out. Now, they changed the headline. The original headline uh, was, and I'm going to read it to you. Now that House of the Dragon is over, I'll say it, colon. Incest fantasies are hot. Super hot. By Leah Marilia Thomas. Uh, whoops, this is the actual article. October 24th. And if you notice, they hid the author. They hid the author. It just says the editors now. Okay. This is an article promoting normalizing family time. This is what could only be described as demonic. Now you can see stuff like your shoe on head posting. I see Cosmos still at it. Here's the original tweet that got deleted. I was able to confirm that it was deleted, but I could not confirm. I couldn't get an archive of it, but it got absolutely demolished. Here's one. Uh, here's a, a screenshot at one point. 1,962 quote tweets to 288 likes. Like, how desperate are you for clicks? Now, of course, when we share articles, what do we do, class? We archive them. Okay, so when you want to share an insane article, don't link to it. Screenshot it. Use an archive. Do not give them ad revenue uh, for uh, being demonic. You have lots of articles about the family time, keeping it all in the family, which is a part of the show. Um, and it's gross, and it doesn't need to be a part of the show. Uh, but it is. Now, you see it back... So we're all just fine with this on TV now, question mark? Us validating your kinks. There are many ethical gray areas. Why don't you put your name on the article? Why, don't, why, why do you think that they didn't put their name on the article? By the way, I'll be streaming at 5.30 tonight with Blair White. I'd love to see you here. We'll be here on both here and Rumble. That people are willing to over grayers that people are willing to overlook when it comes to hookups on TV, cheating, see Grey's Anatomy, illegal power dynamics, Pretty Little Liars, mostly outdated concepts like arranged marriages and hypergamy. Um, the list goes on and on. But if chemistry is right and the hookup is hot, the details and circumstances around the relationships doesn't really matter. What? Yes, it does. Fans are going to ship them anyway. Well, that's true because they're deranged too. But family stuff, that feels like a bit much, right? Right? 
There's nothing morally okay about inter-family stuff, no matter how hot the actors and how palpable the chemistry. And yet, a week after, since August 21st, fans have rooted, nay, thirsted for Damon and Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra, I'm not sure who that, Rhaenyra, um, to hook up. I, in my non-professional, non-TV critic capacity, think it's safe to say that actors Matt Smith and Emma D'Arcy have the kind of chemistry that makes me constantly want more of them. A concept I was totally fine with until I realized I was lusting for scenes featuring an uncle and a niece. Was I uncomfortable? Yes. Was I hungry for more? Also, yes. Ah, what? I mean, just say it right out loud, right? These people are disgusting. And, you know, also, if you know anything about these type of relationships in real life, if you know anything about the statistics, high, 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 high percentages of these type of relationships are are in the worst kind of circumstances. I'll just say abuse, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, Slay Queen, let's ship them on Twitter. The brothel scene was hot. Um you know, I'm not going to, this is gross. When they finally hooked up as consenting adults, fans ate it up. You're, you're a degen if you did. When they conspired to fake her husband's passing, get married in a traditional ceremony, and it looked longingly into each other's eyes, it was, dare I say, kind of sweet. No, it isn't. It's gross, and it's family. Like, it's supposed to make you your stomach churn. It's not supposed to be something you go on Twitter and and talk about shipping and talking about oh wouldn't it be awesome if these family members hooked up? It's gross. I, and I'm not the only one who thinks it's okay. Ever since this cursed show came out, my social media feeds have been inundated with fan accounts from people equally as thirsty for this twisted uncle niece dynamic, and also simultaneous confused over said thirst. No, they weren't confused. They're not confused. They're just demonic. Gross. Children. This is like the hookup positive world we're living in now. Like, oh, nothing's off limits. Everything's hot. Everybody has to be sleeping together. Otherwise, it's unimportant. I was honestly kind of comforting to me to see someone whose first thought upon watching this new show is I want them to F, but also, lol, help. Why do I want them to F? Uh, because you're, because you're broken inside. Now, look, I know that there is this weird trend on the other type of sites. Okay. Where these videos, I don't know how popular they are, but they exist. And everyone's kind of excuses. It's like the stepmom or like stepbrother. So they're not like blood related. And it's obviously also you know, prawn. So it's, you know, they're actually not. And it's, I don't know. Okay. I'm not like here to like kink shame, so to speak. But the fact that you're like, you know, when she was 16 and Damon took her to the brothel, the night she hooked up for the first time in the books, he's about 16 years older than her, making him 32, not a crazy age gap dating IRL Medieval Renaissance period. Okay, fine. Are we going to judge everything by how things were in the Renaissance period? Then get back in the kitchen and stop writing these articles. Okay? Are you kidding me? So on top of that, I didn't even know this. See, I don't read the articles ahead of time. It leads to 
some mess ups at times and sometimes I have to scrap a video because it wasn't what I thought it was, but like also it leads to more genuine reaction. So that's why I do it. But uh, a 32 year old and a 16 year old is gross. Gross. That alone should be enough of you, enough for you to be like, absolutely not. And then the fact that they are related is not something to be celebrated. I know it's icky, but I love them too. But we know the Targaryens, they want to keep the blood of the dragon strong, even if these two with the age difference are alike. Huh? So I'm cool with a 32-year-old and a 16-year-old, and also the fact that they're related. What? And then they say at the end, we ship this couple so ardently because Game of Thrones is fake. They are fake. So go force forth and thirst freely Jon Snow is not real that statement in and of itself can be fine but you just wrote a thousand words about how you know the age difference is okay because it's medieval and it's cool that you want to see that and that incest is okay and by the way you've written a several article several articles about this here's one that you wrote on October 10th Like, why is that doesn't have to be a part of the show? Like, I'm not saying that you don't have to, you know, that, that like th enjoying things that taboo, like makes you a bad person. But like when you're a journalist and you're writing these articles where you're basically trying to normalize it and you're trying to say like, hey, it's okay that you think about a 32 year old uncle and a niece. That's weird, creepy. And the internet responded as they should. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, make sure you leave a like on it and you click that red subscribe button down below and we'll talk to you again real soon.